comes wrapped with many different emotions. Our theme as a church in the lead up to Christmas this year has been the wait is over. And I know for many children, the wait is almost over. I know the excitement started in our house this last fortnight as we put up our freshly cut Christmas tree and began to decorate it. And no doubt the excitement will continue to increase over the next three days as those presents start to accumulate under the Christmas tree. And not just the kids, can I say, as well. But at times, Christmas can also evoke a sense of not just excitement, but for some of us, an emptiness as well. An emptiness as, as new and exciting as new toys and gadgets might be, some of us know, particularly parents, that they'll be damaged by Boxing Day, and eventually, sadly, kids, they will end up in landfill. We go to the family functions to celebrate, but for some of us and our families, it feels like a forced togetherness, a superficial covering over of the issues and the quarrels there every other week of the year, but we turn a blind eye to them because it's Christmas. And there are many in our community who will feel empty and alone this Christmas because their, their spouse or their friend or their work colleague is no longer here with them. We all have a sense that Christmas ought to be this time of great and deep, profound joy, but sometimes it feels like that joy is superficial at best or empty at worst. Is there a joy in Christmas that isn't superficial, that isn't empty? Well, I hope that you've been listening tonight and hearing that, yes, there is a joy a joy that is not temporary, but a joy that will bring lasting satisfaction. What I hope to do now in the next few minutes is to peel back the layers that we often wrap Christmas in and get to the very heart of the joy that we all ought to feel at Christmas time. And I'm going to do that by taking us to two Christmas carols that we've already sung tonight. The first is O Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night is, as I said before, one of my favourite Christmas carols of all time. This carol has been held by many to be the most beautiful of all Christmas carols, with excellent lyrics and a superb melody. It was written by a Frenchman in the 19th century and later translated into English, and this carol boasts to be the very first Christmas song to be played on the radio in 1906. Now, I'm not sure if you noticed or as you were listening, as you were singing tonight, O Holy Night, but one of the themes of this carol is the joy of freedom. The joy of freedom. Verse 2 in that carol is probably the most obvious in expressing that theme, where the, the verse says, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Now, this carol was first written as the abolitionist movement, the end of slavery, was spreading across Europe. But the carol talks about a freedom, not in a political sense, but in a, a biblical, spiritual sense. Verse 1, you might recall in this carol, said, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. I don't know if you know what the word pining means. It means wasting away 
It means withering, lamenting, thirsting. I don't know about you, but yesterday when the temperature gauge in my car read 46 on the road out west, I was pining. I was lamenting. I was wasting and withering away. And that's what the Bible says has been the, the human experience since Genesis 3. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. We've been wasting away because of our lack of connection to God himself. And Jesus said it like this in John chapter 8. He said, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now you may not think or believe that you are a slave to sin and error pining, but I'm sure as you think about your life and your experience, you will agree that no one is perfect. We say that quite easily and quite realistically. We know that nobody is perfect. We all have baggage that we are carrying through life. Some very external, but all of us, whether we admit it or not, have some internal baggage. Pride, selfishness, greed that can so often air itself at those family functions at Christmas time. And we only have to hit the roads at Christmas time to see the reality of this truth. I don't know if you know, but the weeks leading up to Christmas, the Department of Roads, the Roads and Maritime Services tell us it's the highest number of recorded negligent driving incidents in the weeks leading up to Christmas every year. I don't know if you've contributed to that. I know that I have gone close as I've tried to find car parking spots around our shopping centres. And the Bible says that as a result of that, we do have a spiritual debt before God. Some bigger than others, yes, but a debt nonetheless which needs to be forgiven. And the author of O Holy Night knew where this freedom, this forgiveness could be found. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. This forgiveness, this freedom is not found by trying really hard, just pulling up your socks and doing your best, trying to move yourself from a, a heavenly naughty list to a nice list. In reality, there is no heavenly nice list, just different degrees of naughty lists. But we do have a saviour, and it's not ourselves, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Our saviour is Jesus, and Jesus alone. As Ricky just read from Colossians, he, Jesus, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. Now, how does Jesus give us this freedom? How does a baby in a manger save us from our deep spiritual debt? Well, you know Jesus didn't say a baby in a manger. I hope that you know that. And when he grew up, Jesus said this about himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, friends, Jesus lived the perfect life that none of us could live. And yet he humbled himself. He was willingly offering his life as a, a ransom price to pay our debt so that we could go free. Now, how does that work? 
Well, over the last month, our city of Sydney has been surrounded by bushfires. And I do encourage you this Christmas time to pray for those that have been personally and their communities have been affected uh, by the bushfires. When a bushfire is approaching you, the fire brigade might turn up to your street or your suburb or even your house and light their own fire, not to create more anxiety for you, but to begin what they call backburning around your house, around your community. Why do they do that? Well, they do it so that when the full front of the fire approaches your house, it has the best chance of surviving because the fire cannot burn on ground that has already been burned. The only true safe place to stand in a bushfire is on ground that has already been burned. And the Bible says that when Jesus died, he took the full force of the penalty of sin that we deserve so that we never have to. And the safest place for us to stand, the only place for us to stand to be free of our debt is to stand on the ground that has already been burned and that ground is a person, the Lord Jesus and Jesus said, he said that his life would not be taken from him by force, but that he would lay it down and that he would take it up again. And he has said that if anybody turns to him and entrusts their life to him, they will find true freedom, forgiveness of their sin and friendship with God. In fact, O Holy Night, you might remember, calls us as we sing to fall on our knees before Christ and to find freedom in him. The second carol that I want to take us to tonight is one that we've just sung, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. This carol was written by Charles Wesley, a prolific preacher and songwriter in the 1700s and yet it is still sung every year, even today. Charles Wesley wrote more than six and a half thousand songs and I think Hark the Herald would be up there as one of the most memorable. It's a carol that focuses, yes, on the greatness of Jesus, like many carols, and it invites us to sing along with the angels in heaven of the joy found in Jesus. And one of those joys is the joy of friendship, the joy of being reconciled to God. Verse 1 of Hark the Herald states, God and sinners reconciled. Because of sin, we were once God's enemies, but because of Jesus, we can be reconciled, friends with God again. Verse 3 talks about light and life to all he brings. You don't need to worry about sin and error pining, wasting away anymore, but you can have the opportunity for new light and new life forever. Jesus was born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth. We were made to live with God as his friends forever. That reading from Colossians put it like this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross. You see friends, Christmas is not just about forgiveness for past mistakes. Christmas is also about the joy in the present of being friends with God, reconciled to him 
and therefore the assured hope of life with him forever. I don't know if you remember the movie Home Alone. I understand it's coming up on TV again this week, as it does every year at this time of the year. You might remember Macaulay Culkin as a young boy. The movie is about a a young eight-year-old boy who accidentally gets left behind whilst his family flies to France for Christmas. And you may remember that initially being home alone is quite exciting for Kevin. He can jump on his parents' bed, he can watch movies that he shouldn't be watching, he can eat ice cream with potato chips, and he can even dig through his brother's secret box. It was great to be home alone at the beginning. But slowly the novelty wears off, doesn't it? The furnace in the basement becomes a scary monster. The old man next door in Kevin's mind is a snow-shoveling murderer. And of course, there are those two bumbling crooks trying to break in to his house. And at that point, he wishes that he wasn't home alone anymore. He starts to miss his family. He misses their company and he misses the security that they bring. Maybe you can think of a time when you were completely alone. And I'm not just talking being, you know, the only one awake in the morning in your house before everyone else gets up. I mean, the fear of being absolutely and completely alone and how constricting that is and how fearful it is. Maybe you've had or will have a Christmas where you have been alone and you see everybody else with smiles on their faces and all these happy families playing nicely together, but that's not you. Well, one of the great benefits of being a Christian is that there is no place or situation in life where you are never alone. When you become a Christian, you become part of a family of brothers and sisters. And if you're visiting us tonight, I hope that you can get a sense of that even as you sing and gather this evening. But more than that, you have Jesus with you every day of your life. He will never forget you. He will never ignore you. Light and life to all he brings. The joy of friendship. So there, two famous Christmas carols, O Holy Night, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I believe in those two Christmas carols which come straight from the Bible itself, give us a joy that we can experience at Christmas that's not superficial, that's not empty, but deep and profound. The joy of Christmas is the freedom and the friendship that Jesus alone can bring. And I hope that that's a joy that you all discover or are excited about at this time of year. Many of us get excited about material gifts accumulating under the Christmas tree, but how much more excitement can we have when we realise what God is offering us? Not something temporary, not something superficial, but something that will last forever. Freedom and friendship with Him. The wait is over. If you've been longing for this freedom of this spiritual burden that you've been feeling for years, the wait is over. God is offering you that freedom. If you struggled feeling alone in life, the wait is over. Jesus is holding out his hand of friendship. God is offering you 
so much more than what our world offers at Christmas time. And the question is, will you open your hand to him and receive what he is offering? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. That although we have lived in sin and error pining, though our world has been that way for so long, though we can see the chaos and destructiveness around us, thank you that you've not abandoned your world. In fact, you have entered into your world. And in the person of Jesus, you've experienced the fullness of human life and experience, all the emotions that you can. You have identified with us fully. Jesus lived the perfect life that we can't. And we thank you, Jesus, that you offered up your life in substitute for us, to free us from our burdens and to reconcile us to our loving creator. Jesus, we've sung your praise tonight. We want to keep doing it over the next few days. So open our lips, we pray, and help us to give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, in a moment we're going to stand and